Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is... Wait, is that how I always do it? All of a sudden, I forgot. Yeah, this is... Okay. Welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. I go Podcast. straight into this. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know why it just felt unnatural. This right. isn't... It's a good episode so far. All right. Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, April 4th, otherwise known as Tell a Lie Day. With me as always are Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda, couple of liars. With you as often as possible. Apologies for That's missing true. last week, everybody. I'm happy to be back. That's yeah, a lie. so h- how are you doing? That is my lie. No, <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> yeah, how no, are you I doing? Am- Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. Minor concussion on the ski slopes. Nothing that anybody needs to be concerned about. Uh, I can give the very quick story, which was I hadn't skied for six years, maybe eight years, and had never done a jump before. Never had, never had been to a ski park that had an obstacle course. Anyways, saw them, couldn't resist, <laughs> should have resisted because... Uh, a little bit of head contact later that I don't remember. There's about a seven-hour window that I've got no memory of. Oh, wow. But I bonked my head pretty good. Apparently, they threw me on a trailer and snowmobiled me down to the ski patrol where I waited for an hour or two until my parents got me and took me to the emergency room where I eventually woke up as we were leaving. So but you were you were actually unconscious? I wasn't unconscious okay, for six just- hours, but apparently I was unconscious for long enough that I don't know. I guess Ski Patrol had to come and find me and rescue me. Wow. They were heroes. Wow. Yeah. So it's worse than I imagined it in my head. Well, I mean, granted, concussions are concussions. Uh, they're not great, but it wasn't anything that was crazy. Like you know, it, it was a couple of days of very foggy forgetfulness, which is not too out of the normal for me. Um, I don't have the best memory in the world. And so... It was just a out of the ordinary, frustrating amount of forgetfulness. It wasn't completely foreign. You uh, you said something that I think could be a good quote on on a tombstone. And okay, that's, let's hear it. Should have resisted, couldn't resist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a motto but, for maybe not life. But so, wait, how did you actually fall? Like, did, I don't know. How did did you land head first? <laughs> I must have. I really don't know. The last thing I remember was what Send I posted. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I remember was what I posted in my Instagram story. And I think that's just because I watched it after everything had happened. So you weren't, were you filming with your phone while you were trying to take the jump? Yeah, but I just had it in my jacket pocket and it was completely like, it was doing its own thing. It wasn't like I had it, had it in my hand and gotcha. that was affecting things. This was like sitting in your like front chest pocket. Exactly. Yeah. And did you get any footage? You know, I do need to go back and look onto my camera roll. I was thinking about this yesterday and see if I was happen or if I happened to be recording at the time because I never did check. Yeah, I, I mean, I think somewhere there's need... like forty five minutes of good footage. Maybe there's just <laughs> I know. No, there's like there's like five seconds of good footage and then a lot of footage staring up at the sky. <laughs> And then after 30 minutes, there's a guy in a red jacket that comes by, it, it snaps in my face. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Man. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing a lot better now. Yeah, but I would like to give just a general big shout out to Salt Lake City. Really, really beautiful. Yeah, it's a cool place. Nice town. The views are insane. And I think I was there kind of right, perfect time of year. Things were warming up, but the sky was still pretty gray. I love a good overcast sky. And... uh and yeah, the the streams were really running because the snow it was melting a little bit. Very nice. So, what do you guys? You're already working on stuff, Mike. You it didn't take you out of out of commission. No, it didn't. I am still. You know what? Actually, this is this is the moment that I get to really announce the project. I am working on an attic to home theater conversion at my parents. Uh, long story cool. short, LG, which is a killer company that I was very excited to have the opportunity to work with reached out to me and said, we love your channel. We want to do a video with you. What do you got? And with it being a home theater projector that they were wanting to promote, I presented the idea of turning my parents' attic into a home theater, which is something that my dad has planned on doing for the past like 15 years. But (laughs) it's just something that's always like, next summer, cleaning out the attic, we're going to turn that sucker into a theater. And I'm like, I bet, Dad. Sounds good, he, though. He was just waiting for projector technology to catch up. 
I guess so. Yeah, it was, he was just waiting for that right moment. But <laughs> anyways, long story short, it was it was a good opportunity uh, to work with the brand. Perfect opportunity to surprise my dad and feel like Oprah. And uh, <laughs> <You> <laughs> and yeah, it's been it, it's been going really well. I've been wanting to do more renovation content, and this is a good lesson because it started out as two by four studs and insulation. We had to run electrical, had to hang drywall, currently in the process of painting, and then that is going to lead into laying the floor. So there's a lot of things that I've done a little bit of. I've done a little bit of drywall. I've done a little bit of flooring. I've done as little electrical as possible, but this is just the next step. It's a little bit more involved, and it's nice that it's starting from two by fours instead of starting from like demoing and then rebuilding. It's cool starting from a clean slate and not working over other people's mistakes. So this going to be kind of a before and after type thumbnail big time i think so it's got to be that split screen where the left looks like the attic and then the right is the is the finished piece the theater yeah but it's gonna be fun i'm gonna have some cool furniture projects to go in it as well i'm gonna be doing a sectional day bed so i'm gonna be using twin mattresses that come from amazon because they're super affordable and use those as basically a, a sec, an L-shaped sectional day bed. It's a project that I think will do really well. And those, it, I mean, I just said it, but those mattresses are so cheap now on Amazon. The foam ones. Like what are we talking? Uh-huh. Like 70 bucks for a twin. Now, will that all be part of one video or those will be separate project videos that you just use in there? I'm sure the sofa and a couple of the other large projects will have a few clips in the mm-hmm. main video, but I think those are going to be their own kind of searchable things. That way okay. people can find them. I just yeah, don't want them to get lost sense. in a, yeah, I just don't want them to get lost in a larger, more broad episode. Gotcha. But, but yeah, it's, it's going really well. It's been a lot of fun and that's pretty much catching up with me. Uh, what about you, Chris? What have you been up to? So I started working on a new project I think yesterday or two days ago. Um, basically, I had this idea for a fairly simple, like, I don't know, credenza with three drawers in it. But I wanted to try doing a live edge on the drawer fronts where it's just like one continuous piece and they kind of like overhang the drawer box from the bottom. So there'll just be an empty space and then the live edge and those work as like the handle. And yeah. so I was looking at like my schedule for everything that I have to do this month. And I was like, oh man, like I really want to spend a lot of time on this project and like go into detail in the video and do some like longer processes that sometimes I'll avoid because I just don't have the time for. But I was just, so I was looking at everything and I was like, man, I don't think I can do it. But I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm doing it. Like, I want to see how it does. That's the kind of stuff that I started off making. And I don't know. I just want to do kind of like a throwback video in a way where it's purposefully got that like slower pace and, and more detail put into everything. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy. Like I've only to this point, I've only got to the point where I have all of like the case pieces ready to go and they're ready to glue up and already have like 80 shots. And this is, oh no, yeah, this probably (laughs) comprises like, you know, a a quarter of the project. So I'm like, oh man, I'm like, maybe I'm way overdoing it. I don't know. I'm going to need to like, I might need to rein it in a little bit, but I've been having fun doing it. So I don't know. I'll I'll just keep rolling with it and and maybe I'll end up taking a bunch of footage that I'm not going to use. So what are the shots that you're getting? Is it that you're spending a lot of extra time getting sort of slider shots or you or is it in the way that you're framing? Is it a lot more Both. of that sort of stuff? <laughs> I, I, oh, you're just going way overboard. I, I'm doing it all, man. I, I did okay. pull out the slider, which normally I, I kind of reserve for like finished shots. I've been yeah. getting like multiple angles of things so that, you know, if it's like, and then you rip your boards or whatever, instead of just being like two shots, I'll have like five shots. And that doesn't mean it's going to be yeah. five times as long. It'll just like do a lot of the thing where people are like, how many cameras did you have rolling on that? And you're like, well, just one. I just happened to do it five times. Yeah, I've got a question. So whenever we were in your shop uh, yeah, and I was filming, I also found that I got more shots than I needed. And so editing that video has been a little bit fun because I've had to been a little more cutthroat than I normally am about the clips that I like. Yeah. But while I was filming the whole time, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, fine shots Chris doesn't already have or hasn't already done. <laughs> well, and that'll so be impossible after I- this video. I was about to say, I got a couple that I really liked, but I was going to ask you, did you find some new angles that were really cool? Uh, you know, so most of the like extra shots end up being a lot of detail shots. So it's not so okay. much like the angle of the room and more about the angle of whatever you're working on. But I, I do always like go for some weird shots. So like, for example, one that pops in my head was I was doing a, 
a like time lapse slider shot when I was doing a glue up that took, you know, it's probably like a 10 minute glue up or whatever. And so I had the thing slide the course of like six inches over 10 minutes. And so I did this one where it like kind of like revealed out from behind the dust collection oh, cool. on the table saw. So I don't know, just like who knows if it'll even be good or if I'll use it, but it's just like fun playing around with stuff. That's exciting. Yeah, exactly. And the project's so, yeah. coming along well or... I mean, it's yeah, gone, so far it's, so good. It, it'll be okay. interesting to see how it all comes out. I'm going to do a color combo that like I've always liked, but I've never actually used it, which is I'm going to use the India ink that we got for your project and then Very match cool. that with walnut, which like in wow. your head is kind of like a muddied color combo. It doesn't sound good, but I've messed around with like some Photoshop stuff and, and Googled a couple things just to see if there was like, you know, black and walnut furniture. And it actually looks like yeah. pretty sleek. That's cool. I'm going to be Googling it while y'all talk. Concrete so carry pig, the conversation. Concrete Pig has done some like black uh, concrete or black epoxy mm-hmm. uh, with walnut inlays, and it looks fantastic. It photographs well, too, because, I mean, normally I would just have a darker backdrop to photograph it against. Yeah, that's a good idea. Or a darker room, because if you do it in a, in a, against a white wall, it'll it'll look really muddy and dark. Cause, too much know. contrast, yeah. Yeah, but uh, in like a nice against a nice gray wall, look fantastic. Yeah. I got those. Yeah. So for me, uh, let's see. What have I been, I've been doing? Just posted the video for the the new outdoor sofa that I just did. I'm actually- in I the, like that a lot. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a lot of sofas. So <laughs> I'm doing an indoor sofa. So a very modern one uh, out of plywood. And I think I'm going to use felt for the covering. Felt is a nice alternative to leather since people get their- get uh, offended by using leather sometimes. So I thought I'd mix it up and try some felt, which is also great because you don't have to hem it. You can just cut it and it's good to go, which I'm a big fan of not having to sew. And then I'm going to do one more outdoor sofa and I'm going to do it more sort of daybed style. I was uh, I was looking at like the, the restoration hardware catalog and not not the biggest fan of their designs, but they do some things that are really clever where they make these very cabana, like high-end, you know, hotel pool style cabana sofas that are really comfortable and fun to lounge on. And so many of the DIY sofas that I see are more like short using smaller cushions. And I was like, nah, let's let's do a big one where you can kind of stretch out. And we have so much sort of outdoor patio space at the the container house of you know, I'm, I'm going to need a few sofas and a, and a lot of outdoor furniture. Perfect. So th- those are sort of the projects on the, well, I, I was going to say on the workbench, but everyone would know that's not true. Quick uh, question. So on the floor. These are the projects on the floor. Yeah. And <laughs> Quick question about the, for the indoor sofa. So you said you were going to use felt for the cushions. Now, will you like make a cushion or do you just like get an existing pillow and cover it in felt? No. Uh, I order foam from the foam factory. Okay, so uh, they just, just cut it and send it to you like in squares. Yeah, um, and it, it's it's a good website. It's for I, I don't like a lot of cushions. I like two cushions: one for the back, one for the front. Um, okay, so like long ones. Right, and what I like about the felt is that it doesn't really wrinkle. Hmm. So, yeah, I ordered two cushions. They're about two and a half inches thick, and it cost me for like their premium foam, which is nice and firm. Probably cost me about like. 80 bucks for, for both cushions. Okay. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the daybed version of it too. The, the daybed kind of sofa where you, I mean, that's in our loft in Boston. That's what we have. It's sort of the guest, it's the guest bed and the, the sofa. And we just used a, you know, a basic sort of uh, single mattress and then used a lot of pillows against the, the, the backrest. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit, if you're shorter, it's kind of weird to sit on because <laughs> uh, it's a, a little bit too deep. But I think also figuring out a way to make that backrest mic movable or adjustable or some way of really holding the pillows so it like y- you could sit upright would be kind of a neat a neat twist to it. Yeah, and I plan on having a backrest that's, that is another mattress. So it'll give me another probably nine inches of support on the back that should hopefully move people's butt a little bit closer to the edge to be more comfortable but yeah that's true i guess if you're really short what you just sit cross crisscross applesauce that's their problem yeah i think people just kind of like lounge like kind of half laying down half sitting up kind of a thing that's my thought too and that's why i want to do it as a sectional so that one person can really take up the l and then the other side of the l i guess 
can be a whole nother person's room to kind of really lounge out. But the project that I'm almost more excited about than the sofa, which I was going to not mention, Uh-oh. but I've got to do it now. got to do it. I'm doing like a mega bean bag, like a four foot by six foot bean bag. Nice. That has, oh. Are you going to call it the ultimate bean bag or the mega bean bag? <sighs> See, now this is where you're, one of them's going to be in the title. One of them's going to be in the thumbnail. There mega we go. Ultimate. <laughs> But I'm going to make it where it has inner sections. So there's little chambers on the inside. So it's okay. maybe quartered so that it can maintain its shape a little bit better. It's I think like that, a, might, that might help. Like a pea, peas in a pod bag. Exactly. Wow. There you go. The ultimate mega pod bean peas bag. Peas in a pod bag. There you go. It's got search. So it's hopefully, got hopefully there'll be more than just two of those pods. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... Right. It, so yeah, so yeah, what are we talking about this week? Last week, y'all did a Q&A episode, which was great, but apparently the inbox got flooded and we need to run through a few more of them. Yeah, we still got a few more Qs, so we'll try to give a few more As. But, but before first, we get into that, let's take a break and hear from a sponsor. This week's sponsor is Duke Cannon. So Duke Cannon makes and sells superior quality grooming goods for hardworking people. So that would be things like soap, shaving products, shampoos, and so forth. They make everything here in the United States and actually partner with active duty military personnel to help develop and test their products. The thinking is nobody's out there working harder than an active soldier. So if it can hold up for them, there shouldn't be any problem holding up for the rest of us. And most importantly, Duke Cannon is committed to giving back to the men and women serving our country. And that's why a portion of their proceeds goes directly to supporting veteran causes. Ben, you recently got to try out some Duke Cannon stuff. Thoughts? Last week, I mentioned the soap on a rope. Still a big fan of it. It's awesome. And like I said before, you don't end up when when you put the soap in the soap dish, it gets so scummy at the bottom. That's disgusting. Don't do it. Get the soap on the rope. It's great. But the new product I'm really obsessed with is the aftershave balm. Now, I know all of these makers and woodworkers aren't that big of fans of shaving, but every once in a while, you got to get cleaned up and go to some event. At least the neck. Yep. And I recommend their aftershave balm. I'm a big sucker for really artfully packaged products, and this stuff looks phenomenal. I kind of almost want to drink it. It's got this beautiful sort of icy (laughs) powder blue. It feels really kind of cool and refreshing on your skin, and it's alcohol-free, which means it won't dry you out, and it'll keep you looking as young as I do. And that means I can drink it. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know about that. It It does look pretty good. Um, so check it out. Even if you're just looking for some aesthetic inspiration for your next maker type related, uh, logo or something like that, check out the, the Duke Cannon cooling after shave balm. Very nice. So right now you can get free shipping on orders over $35 and save 15% off your first order by using the promo code modern maker. That's all capital letters and one word modern maker for 15% off. All right. Thanks Duke Cannon. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back. So let's work through. We got a few more questions here. First one comes in from Builds in Boca. He says, or he or she says, what is the most inefficient step in your build process or method and how can it be improved? Editing. That makes our projects take so much longer. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What what were you going to say, Ben? No, actually here, real quick. So if... If that were to be an answer, like, have you ever thought about outsourcing editing? Yeah, it's something that I would like to do soon, but it's it's hard to commit to the idea only because, I don't know, it, do you guys feel like there's a little secret sauce on the edit that you put? That I definitely can... do feel like there is for me. I mean, right. I think it really depends on the type of video that you do and the type of editor that you find, I guess. So right. I feel like, yeah, if, if I could find an editor that I don't think it's like the technical challenge from my end. Like there's nothing hard in the edits that I'm doing, but right. I think it's more of like the way that I work and that I structure things. It would be very hard. I would have to do a lot more pre-planning because a lot of like the way that the video comes together is in the edit. So I don't know right. how much time it would actually save me if it's only really saving me on the technical part of it. It would save you some part, some time, but you would then have to communicate more, which would eat up more time. So yeah. you, it wouldn't be a... It wouldn't be a complete wash. Right. For it would every, be like a two to one time save. Exactly. For every hour of the editor's time, it would take maybe 10 minutes of your time to right. either review it, go over it, and you still got to do voiceover. Yeah. And it'd and probably, 
it probably ended up being the type of thing where like in the beginning, it wasn't saving me any time at all. And then like, you know, six months down the road, it's saving me a lot of time. But then if that person ever quit and you had to find a new person be like, Oh, we got to hit the reset button now. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be advantageous if your videos were mostly the same, right? Like if you, if you were all, if you had sort of a, a set format with the certain amount of talking to the camera, a certain amount of action shots and a flow to it, it would work pretty well. But if one week you go more to like a vlog style and then the next week it's almost all time-lapse building, that's where, and you know, a having an outside editor, he's going to try to normalize that and average that out. Um, mm-hmm. I would definitely hire both a camera person and an editor if I was doing another sort of big house size project, because then oh, yeah. they're invested in one big project and you can give them a whole lot of work because there's multiple episodes. I, I really wish I would have uh, worked with more people because I am still doing a lot of editing for episode four. And they could be editing while you're working. Yeah. In, in the case of having a project that size, something that spends a couple months, they could almost be in real time where you're at in the project in edit. So they can know like, oh, you've got to get these pickup shots. We missed this section, but it's a good thing we're doing that tomorrow too or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. So so I actually, here's kind of changing topics. There's I, w- I was trying to think of things that are like really easy that I could do that would make me more efficient. And so one that I just thought of would be I do a lot of reviewing my footage as I'm going, which would be very easy to just stop doing it. But I have trouble doing that for whatever reason. Like I really It's like a sense to, of security. Yeah, like I like to like look back at the footage occasionally while I'm doing it and like see like, oh, how'd that come out? Does that look good? And yeah, it is kind of like a sense of security. Like, okay, cool, I got it. it looks good. I can move on or whatever. Do you guys do That's, that or are you just you're just rolling? I've almost never even yeah, if I never it's check. a even if it's a shot that I've liked, I've just shot it and said like Hope it was good. I've just like, never gone back to look. Yeah. yeah. I, I just knew, I just know when I shoot if it's a certified banger or not. <laughs> this one's but a no, hit. All that to say, though, I, at WorkbenchCon, I did have a few good conversations with fellow content creators who either have had experience working with an editor, um, some of them good, some of them bad. And I think my big takeaway is if I found the right person that understood the because I don't think I have incredibly quirky videos, but I do think there's like a little 10% of quirkiness in there that I think people enjoy. Yeah. And so as long as people can understand like where it's nice to throw in a little bit of something funny or to throw in a little bit of a blooper and not like overdo it and make it cheesy, that would be what I would be concerned with. It's just yeah. not trying to be cheesy. Well, so when, when Johnny was out here a couple of weeks ago and we were all together, we kind of talked about this because he recently brought an editor on. And I think he said that the way that he does it is that he'll still do a final like Passover to put the yep. finishing touches on it. So I think like as long as you got with somebody that was just doing those main parts for, you know, getting the bulk of it together. And then you could, if there was something that was like humorous that really depended on like the timing of it and stuff that you you want to make sure you have your stamp on it. You could still do that. I think the other thing is like how beneficial it would be to find somebody that was a, a good editor and was very familiar with you. Like I feel like I've seen enough Ben videos and know what he's going to do that he could probably give me his footage and his voiceover and I could put a, a video together that's going to look exactly like Ben's video. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And I feel like I know. I couldn't do the Chris's sketch up video. animations, but we could, we could figure couple. out Chris. I feel like on Chris's videos, I would know exactly where to make puns. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's a perfect wood pun right there. No, but, but in terms of like less content focus and more just shot focus, for me, the two things that would improve my efficiency would be being more organized. Uh, so there's less time looking for the tool that you need. Yeah. That's, I think, a little bit complicated in a work area where you're dealing with a lot of different materials. So in our production sort of set where we're doing the majority of our filming, there are woodworking tools. There's a ton of mechanical hardware for assembling things. There's epoxy, concrete, paint, steel pieces, brass pieces, and a whole lot of fabric and leather. Mm-hmm. So I think it's easier when you're sort of one – have one primary fabrication focus. It gets more complicated the more different types of things that you have, but still – I would say organization would improve uh, performance of that and just having more space. I've mentioned yeah. it before, but I still really like the NASCAR idea. Or when I was visiting 
I did a a collaboration with Austin Dillon uh, for Quickrete, and we were visiting their shops where they set up their cars and stuff like that. And it's just like the doctor's office or a surgery uh, room where an assistant puts all the tools that are needed for that particular operation on a cart, and they wheel that over to the car. So you have this like little island that has just the things that you need and nothing else. And I think that's the thing. Everyone likes those scenes in The Matrix or like a action movie where they open up like the safe room and there's a whole yeah. wall of like a thousand different guns. <laughs> that's fantastic for display, but it's also can be paralyzing when you're actually trying to decide what to reach for. Having right. less options in the moment just on that cart right next to you with only the things you need is fantastic. So you're not saying like, hmm, which type of glue though? Oh, I want Gorilla glue because that's the best color. <laughs> Mike has proved it. Oh, yeah. There we go. I saw that. <laughs> Instagram little test that you did. And yeah, it was funny. It's something we've always talked about, but I've never seen side by side like that. You're right. Way less yellow. Yeah. It's just that visual cue, man. You can say it a lot of times in your videos, but I just figure a side by side was a little more appropriate. I was, uh, to, to go back to what Ben was just saying, I was picturing when like you open up the, the wall of weapons or whatever, like, yeah, yeah, we probably don't need the nunchucks. They look cool, but... <laughs> right. This, it's like automatic weapons, a Gatling gun, uh, yeah. rocket launchers. Rocket launcher. Ninja start. Well, you know, one of those is less useful than the others. Yeah. It was funny. I actually watched on my last flight, flying back from Boston, uh, I watched The Matrix, the original one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Holds up surprisingly well for how young Keanu Reeves looks in it. Mm. That, that movie was fantastic. So different than everything else at its time. Most deaf. There we Sorry. go. <laughs> That's my Chris, reveal. I want to start doing next? movie reviews. Okay. Next question <laughs> comes in from MKAL Houge. I don't know how to say that. And actually, wait, before we get into this, I got to say, when Ben said Dylan Austin, I was like, man, that is such a NASCAR driver name. Like Austin, he was just Austin Dylan. Oh, what did I say? Dylan Austin? Yeah. <laughs> Either way, that's his brother. <laughs> that's his rival NASCAR driver. Dylan Austin. <laughs> that's not and how Austin brothers Dylan. work. You don't just flip flop first. Yeah, and my last brother name, Salomon Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the phone book. You can find him. All right, let's go back to the question. M K A L Houge. I'm probably butchering that. He says, yeah. "Is there a design that to you is the pop music of woodworking?" I don't know how to interpret that exactly. But if I had to guess one, I'm going to say that the first thing that pops into my head would be maybe cutting boards. No, it's river tables. It's river it's tables. River tables? You I know don't what? think they're that. No, no, no. It is a fine yet. woodworking. It's the fine woodworking pop thing. I'll give it that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't quite say it's the woodworking over. It's not the overarching woodworking or it's not the overarching like YouTube or DIY thing. But I think right, in terms it's that of blending, like, it's a hybrid. Yeah. It's like the washed out version of fine woodworking. Right. Like wood, fine woodworking is acoustic. If you add a little bit, like you do mostly acoustic with a little bit of electronic, which is the yeah. resin. Exactly. You instantly have it. And I'm not saying that I like pop music. I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, I'm yeah. not saying that with any sort of, uh, you know, highfalutin pinking in the air kind of. And there's still a lot of epoxy tables I like. I like a lot of them. Then yeah, ba- exactly. based on everything you guys are saying, then I'm going to say that river tables are... The are uh, uh, the uh, like, but it's the, like John Mayer still makes good songs. I was gonna say they're the Radiohead. <laughs> they're like the the critics' darling of of yeah. woodworking. So well, for some my, of them are. It, I'm it, gonna go. It's a genre. There's there's well executed versions and there's Legos. you know uh, Lego. I'm trying to think of the the pop musician. There's there's oh yeah there's yeah. the well executed versions and then there's the girl that sings that song. It's Friday. Oh, Rebecca right. Black. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that I know that. Yeah, so there's quickly, like good job, Chris. There's still I, like the, <laughs> I, I, I knew Chris would it. know it. <laughs> so I celebrate that song every Friday. Celebrate her whole catalog. That's right. Yeah, that one song. There are really, really tasteful epoxy and wood projects, and there are also really obnoxious ones. That is true. That and it's all said. just a matter of taste, and it's all a matter of just like blending the materials correctly, choosing the right colors with the species of wood you have. There's a lot of variables. But, and I think that that really translate with music too. But if All you right, so, enjoy if you enjoy making them, knock yourself out. Like totally go for it. If you like listening to whatever you like listening to, don't worry about it. Like don't let other people judge you for your consumption. I want I want to go for this, guys. 
whenever we were in Whittier and we were watching YouTube videos, Chris, you're going to remember his name, I think. But there is... Black. <laughs> no, there's a content creator that's doing really, really great furniture. We watched a Live Edge console table. Basically, it was like oh, yeah. a river table in the front. Kobio Musk. I don't know if yes. I'm saying that right, but yeah, like Korean guy. Yes. Anyways, long story short, his videos are very like Jimmy Duresta in that there's just like a bunch of shop sounds. There's no narration and there's no anything else. And it's a very tranquil woodworking shop. It's a great aesthetic. Mm-hmm. There are really cool tools all the time and it, and he's building really awesome things. But there also happens to be oh, like, <laughs> like from 1990 to 2010 pop music yeah, blaring hear, like, the whole Celine time. Celine Dion in the background yeah. or something. <laughs> it's beautiful stuff, man. I love it. And it just makes me laugh so much every time I hear it. Because that's what's getting him in the zone. And if yep. that's what's powering him to make really awesome pieces of furniture, More I support power. it wholeheartedly. Heck yeah. So to to switch the... Uh, I'm going to go back to the cutting boards. And why I'm going to throw that in the ring for the pop music of woodworking is because I think it's probably like the most common across the board woodworking project that people have done. If yeah. you had to just pick one thing. And so there's so many of them out there and they're simple kind of like the way that pop music would be. So then how do you distinguish yourself if you're trying to make that? Like, that's always one Mm. of the interesting things about pop music is like a lot of the times, like you're locked into these certain chord progressions that are like not too difficult to enjoy, but But you have to like take an off cut from somewhere else off cut being a little bit of inspiration from another genre or something. And then you have a no new spin on pop music. Yeah, how do you distinguish yourself in that pop music space or in that cutting board world? As more, it yeah, more epoxy. Yeah, good for the diet, I'm sure. All right, perfect. <laughs> keeping Can- keeping with the uh, idea of food, the next question comes in from Anno Tribe, and they say, "Is breakfast overrated? It's basically a meal that consists of only desserts and maybe an egg." Breakfast food is not overrated, but breakfast as a time to eat is overrated. Ah, okay, so breakfast food that? itself is good. Take. Just, it should be happening in the evening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should actually only be happening after midnight. I feel like the exact reason that they're saying it's overrated is what makes it so good. It's like it legitimizes just like, I can't just eat cake for breakfast. Yes, you can. Breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of having a, a long intermittent fast on a daily basis. So... I normally don't eat till around 1 p.m. at the the earliest. And that's what, you know, even when I'm not, uh, don't have time to exercise and do a lot of fitness stuff, it makes sure that I always stay kind of on the thinner side of things. Keeping you in check. Exactly. So I find that having that long stretch where you don't have any food in you also keeps me a little bit more alert. So there's, there's a lot of documented benefits to intermittent fasting that are that are worth checking out when's the last time you usually eat like in the evening it depends on if i like smoke a joint or not and (laughs) (laughs) get the munchies and and then and again for the listeners we're in california it's totally legal no different than a glass of wine so if 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 that's involved if that's in the mix there might be some snackage uh Uh probably around 10 o'clock or so okay but normally, probably try to keep it not after 9.30. Generally, I think you want to keep it to like a six-hour window if you're interested in doing an intermittent fasting thing. That's I what mean, I hear, at least. So I noticed that if I eat, like say I eat dinner at like 7, and then I don't eat anything after that, I will wake up and not be hungry the next day. But if I eat some, like a late-night snack and then go to bed, I'll wake up hungry. Yeah. It's like I'm, I'm primed and ready to eat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, metabolism's bank. complicated. It's not as simple as like a fuel tank that's <laughs> uh, kind of linear and static. But breakfast food, not overrated. Like, yeah. They, the dessert ones, I, I agree. It is kind of odd that like you would start your day with a stack of pancakes with whipped cream and syrup on them and stuff like that. Like, it's a weird loophole, but I don't want to call it out because I'm enjoying it. Yes. <laughs> well, it's why I think there should be a breakfast tapas place. You need a breakfast restaurant that has small plates. We talked about this. Yes. And square plates. Exactly. (laughs) You got to be able to mix in the half stack of pancakes with the eggs and the bacon and the sausage. I'm 90% sure we talked about this. And the reason I think about that is because of a pun. Do you guys remember my pun name for it? 
Oh, gosh. Hang on. Top of the morning to you. It was top, top us of the morning. Yeah, top us the morning. <laughs> I killed it. Wow. Nice. Okay, so question, though. If you've got square plates, you if you still have cups, but I guess you've got enough room in the middle square of the cups. table. I've seen square cups. Or do the cups nest into a corner of the, of the you plate? Can, you could make a cup that has a square bottom and a round top. Or like I'm not, a, no, I'm not arguing that. But where does it sit on the table? If we're so concerned about space, does it like square notch? bottom? Is there a top? It okay, so we're out. assuming that there's a there's a lot of room in the middle of the table still. Yeah. Okay, got it. I'm just trying to picture this hyperfunctional table. You know. Well, I think I think you just do a modular system, right? So maybe you have like a croissant dish or a mm. butter dish or something like that that's rectangular, so that the cup has a square base and that fits up with the top corner of the plate and then this sort that's of what like I'm going butter with. dish. So the whole the whole table's just tiled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or a napkin like- dispenser or some sort of thing that holds like the salt and pepper, hot sauce, yeah. really important. I like the way that Ben said croissant. Yeah. How'd you say it? Uh, I don't know. He's croissant. like, I'm not doing croissant. it again. <laughs> Dylan Austin. That's how I say it. Yeah, but what I would say about breakfast in general, breakfast tapas are great, but Breakfast buffets are the greatest thing in the world. I don't know why a breakfast buffet is so much better than any other type of buffet. I guess because it's more like reined in. There's, I don't know, like go, it's an easy switch like to go it's from like crazy because the amount of bacon and pancakes I eat in proportion to what a normal person should. Whenever it's a buffet situation compared to like a like a Denny's situation, yeah, the ratio is insane. Tried to resist, couldn't resist. Exactly. And so that's why I am for self-serve breakfast, whether it's, it's tapas or buffet. Everything that's a breakfast item kind of goes together, like pancakes, yeah. waffle, egg, fruit, bacon, all that stuff goes together. It's just like breakfast food. But you wouldn't be like, oh, let's throw some spaghetti on top of this meatloaf. <laughs> some, <laughs> some lunch food, like yeah. it's all the same. No, it work like that. That's pretty good. Good observations about breakfast. That's what you get here on the Modern Maker podcast. A lot of breakfast talk. All right. Let's see. This one, we... I don't know if we've answered this already, but RM La Rochelle, La Rochelle, Mm. says, why do you produce videos the way that you do? That almost sounds accusatory. What is the reason behind your particular style? What do you hope to convey through such a style? Man. Do you have a hope? No. Yeah. No hope. I just, I just hope people will understand it enough to be able to replicate it and build it themselves. Well, actually, okay, so that's a question. Do you even have, do you feel like you have the same hope with every video that you put out? No. Like the, the glass deck video, I'm not expecting a lot of people to build right. that. What if you got like 20 people that like next week tagged you like, hey, I built my own glass deck. Right. So for a video. I've been waiting for this. For <laughs> Finally. A, for a video like that, I'm not doing I'm not as concerned with the the instructional parts of it. With the sofa, it's the exact opposite. I'm primarily concerned with creating a project that's replicatable. Yeah. So for me, it's different. There's a, there's a different intent based on where I see value in that project. As for style, no, I, I don't think that way. I just think what's the bare minimum. I, I really just think about... <laughs> Like I'm writing a email or anything else. I just think of it as another type of communication. I'm less interested in the, and this is just me personally, I'm less interested in the artistry of the language and more interested in just the clarity of the message in the most efficient way that I can produce so I can get the next message I have out. So I've always thought of my video production as a, as sort of the bottleneck to the ideas that are inside my head getting out to people. And I mm-hmm. want to make that more, more fluid so I can just get more of these ideas that have been stuck in there rattling around, you know, out to the, out to the world. So it's much more about what's the quickest way to convey. And then I favor a lot of, it's funny, I've, I've actually been influenced a lot by your guys' videos and sort of switched up some of my production recently. I've been doing a lot more sort of closer shots, moving the camera a lot more uh, as opposed to having the camera just set far back and doing those mid-range or sort of full project shots. Yeah, yeah. running a DSLR a lot more too. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. That bokeh. It definitely looks a lot better. It's funny though, like when I'm, if I'm copying a project though, or I'm like watching a video and going to then make it, I really prefer the zoomed out things. I, and it, it's also because 
I know the individual techniques. I know how to set up the the saws and all these kind of things. I don't need to see it up close. Yeah. For me personally, what I have very little patience for is B-roll. Like to me, B-roll is where television loses me. It's just it's just filler. Like I don't need the rice peel off. Just give me the meat, give me the vegetables, and <laughs> the rice take your radish, take your rice peel off. Leave the rice and beans. Those are actually good. That's like a, a legit side. But yeah. take the it's coleslaw. It's the honeydew. It's the right? Definitely honeydew. don't need any parsley. Yeah, the honeydew, the coleslaw, all that crap, and and shove it. Like, I don't need that. But, you know, I, I like the essential information kind of unfiltered. I like really strong coffee. I like whiskey. Like, I like things that are that are uh, on the sort of more concentrated side. Um, so I'd say that's probably influenced my style the most. Oh man, here quick quick tangent. So when you guys were here, there was some drinking going on and what not by Chris. Not by me, but remember Johnny bought Maker's Mark. What is that? Whiskey? Yeah. Okay, so I brought the bottle home because it was like he's like, oh, it'll stay forever, just like keep it at your house and then next time you'll we're use there. it eventually or yeah, whenever I'm back, I'll drink it. And so I don't know what got into me, but I was coming home from the gym. So I'm <laughs> hot and sweaty. I just went for, Ready a, for a drink. Yeah, I see it sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to pour a little glass of this and just see what it tastes like. Nice. Holy, it tastes like a chemical fire going down my throat. It was terrible. I don't see how anybody could drink it. It's, like, it's just like hot and like nail okay, polish yeah. remover or something. Okay. So for a starting point, I would recommend just throwing it on some ice. I think that yeah. would do a lot to ease, ease cool the it. burn. Yeah. Maybe, well, yeah. maybe, maybe continue that train of thought a little further, Ben. Well, one, uh, save it for next time that we're all, <laughs> that was really fun, by the way. That was a blast. Yeah. That was a good It was time. a great weekend. Shout out to Rockler. And Again. it was productive. Every single one of us built a project. So we built four things in four days by four different people. Boom. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. In so it really opened my eyes up to the value of having just a well set up shop. Chris, I don't think you're a hundred percent satisfied as in this is my dream shop. This is my perfect situation. Right. I'm sure there's like little quirks, little things here or there that you would change and, and make more efficient. Mm-hmm. But it's set up very well in that everything has a place to go. Thank you. And obviously, since it wasn't my shop, I didn't know where all those little things were. So I'm sure you got tired of people asking you like, hey, where's the pull saw? Hey, where's this thing? Hey, where's that thing? No, you know what's funny is actually like of any inefficiencies that you would imagine having with all four of us kind of working in the same space. I think the only one actually was that like, there was just a lot of like, oh, where'd you set the screwdriver? Type, yeah. You know, just like, Things that you would clearly not do if there were four of you that always worked in a space like having one screwdriver. Yeah, exactly. You'd probably have a few <laughs> yeah. and, and everyone would know where to put it back and everything. Exactly. But but what I was going to say about it is that it really showed how awesome that sort of situation is. Just everything having a space to go. Always having a flat surface to work on that isn't occupied by something else at the time. Really convenient. So thank you for that exposure. I'm not quite sure where I'm running with this. What was the question? What what was our question? Yeah. Sorry that we went off on the tangent. Yeah. It was about the, the reason behind the, the way that you film things and what you're hoping to convey through your style, et cetera. Well, I apologize. I I thought I had a thought off of what you said, Chris, but I don't know. I'll start talking and then maybe you'll come up with a thought. All right, cool. There we go. So I think then I posed the question of, do you even have the same intent with everything? And probably all of our answers to that are going to be similar and that, no, we don't. Like, there's a lot of things that you just know nobody's ever going to try to make this. So you're just going to hopefully try to entertain with it. And then other ones, you're going to try to convey an idea a lot. Going to the what Ben was talking about, though, about like his hatred of B-roll. And like, obviously, I, I like B-roll and detail shots, which are not B-roll, but I think the reason that Ben probably favors the more zoomed out look, whereas like a lot of my shots are more detailed, and obviously it depends on what you're working on, is those kind of like macro shots probably come from an offshoot of joinery and small detail things. Whereas like the way that Ben works is very much more on like assembly. The yeah, assembly and like the the I don't know, eight foot view. Of things like that, all the detail that he needs to come across comes across in that. Whereas, like, if you were doing a small 
joinery piece that, you know, all the detail takes place within two inches and you filmed it from eight feet away, it just wouldn't really work. So it's like almost a necessity that that comes from. And then you end up like liking the look of it or, you know, it becomes like something that people are expecting. And so you do it for things where you don't even necessarily need to do it, but it's just like become your thing or whatever. It's, I think a lot of the B-roll type situations come from an influence of television and film. Yeah. And there's this reverence for these formats that people then try to bring into uh, whatever they're creating in a much shorter format. And sometimes it works really well. And, you know, it's, it's for everyone to decide on their own what they like watching and what they like creating. For me, I find it, there's a lot of instances where I feel like it's just derivative for the sake of derivative, where it's like, well, they do this in TV, so it must be good. But TV isn't actually good. Or a lot of the time. It's not inherently good. good. Right. Yeah, it's right. not Just inherently because it's on good. TV they didn't figure it. out a magical formula. They're often stretching content to fill a spot, which to me is what's great about digital content is that it can be any length. Yeah. Right. And the the benefit that they have is a captive audience, whereas the internet is literally nothing but rabbit holes to get away from your content into another type of content. And yeah. so the need to have people's attention and to keep their focus and to, and to not have them drift off is so much more important. Right. I also think I would do it very differently if I was producing five videos a year versus 40. If I was doing five videos a year, I'd probably have more establishing shots and B-roll. But if I do a, a, a scene where I'm unloading the truck or, or walking into the workshop and opening up the tool chest. And I do that in every video that people are watching every single week for 40 weeks. It can get really repetitive. So yeah. if, if, if it's sort of a weekly kind of hit that's short, I don't need that as much, I feel at least, as yeah. if I was doing like one video that goes to a totally new, you know, foreign audience every time. Yeah, I was going to say, so for me... I think that the B-roll kind of stuff serves two purposes. So one is sort of a tone setting tool. And the other would be as a buffer between things. Like if you, if there's a transition that's just like weird to make and you feel like you need that like little buffer or like if I think, oh, I might have something that I need to, that I'm talking about right here where I need a transition piece or I need like five seconds to buy myself some time or whatever it works well in those situations. And the good thing about it is that like, I probably get too much of it in the moment, like as if like, Oh, it's going to go right here. So I'll film it right here. When in nature, it should just be like, just get stuff and just have stuff that looks like it's in the same space and and you can use whenever you need it. It is the kind of like stock footage that you can create for yourself. But then you got to make sure you have the same outfit on. Always do turtleneck and jeans. Perfect. Well, yeah. And and we were talking about the, the, (laughs) Ben, what you were talking about just a second ago with shots being repetitive and you're not wanting to use the same shot of, you know, getting lumber out of the truck and then putting it in the shop and opening the tool chest. I think of that in breaking down materials because that's the one thing I do in every project, whether it's getting dimensional lumber or sheet goods. There's always that minute and a half of cutting them to size and making sure the audience knows what size those pieces are and where they're going to go. And so for me, where I try and get creative isn't necessarily with establishing shots, but it's those process shots that happen every time so that people don't see me go to the table saw and just know, oh gosh, all right. Here we go again. Whether whether that just means that I'm editing it snappy enough that it's worth it for people to watch and not feel the need to skip, or it's finding shots that are interesting enough that make it worth it for people to stick around and watch. There's a balance between the two. And granted, I don't know if I'm doing it that well or not, but I'm doing my best at trying to do that. I think you're doing a great job, buddy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. All right. Let's do one more question before we wrap this sucker up. Who's it from? Well, here's my question is, what are you guys obsessed with? Because we actually worked our way through all the questions. Oh, wow. Okay, great. We got no more A's for Q's. (laughs) <laughs> you guys been watching anything new or listening to anything? On, Any new YouTube up. stuff? Let I got me one. look and see. You go first, Chris. Okay. So it's actually a new podcast that I just discovered yesterday, but I've already nice. listened to like three episodes of it. Um, so it, it, I found out about it through Comedy Bang Bang, which is a podcast that I really like for anybody not listening to that. If you like improvised comedy, 
it's a very good show. I highly recommend it. But this show's called Punch Up the Jam. So one of the hosts of it was on Comedy Bang Bang the other day. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna, this sounds interesting. I'll go check it out. So it's basically this guy and girl. And every week they'll have on a guest. And the guest will pick a song that then they will analyze for about like 30 to 40 minutes in, in a funny way. It's a comedy podcast. And then at the end of it, one of the two hosts comes up with like their own parody version of it. So kind of like a, a Weird Al type song, but not on the level of Weird Al. Clearly he's like, you know, <laughs> the king for parody songs, but uh-huh. the, a, a much quicker version, which it's funny though, because like, that's the kind of thing that like, you know, I would often do growing up or with my friends or whatever you'd, whatever song is popular, you'd make up your own stupid version of it. That's usually pretty vulgar. Yep. Usually a little bit more clean, but it, it's a really, it's a funny podcast, but it's also an interesting podcast just to like hear them dive deep on a, a song. So I highly recommend if you're what looking was it for called? a new podcast, One more time? punch up the jam, punch up the jam. I like punch it. Up the jam. Awesome. My obsession this week is a throwback to something that introduced me to the majority of content creators that I got hooked on and still continue to watch and follow. And that is... Makers and Shakers, which was formerly known as the weekly woodworking wrap-up and review by David Picciuto from the channel Make Something. It's a wrap-up episode, a weekly wrap-up episode, I should say, of the people that are making content around building things. So he'll pull some clips from people's videos. Usually, I think five, five different videos he'll kind of highlight, but he'll show some clips, add some commentary to it. And it's great. It's for me, like I said, what introduced me to a lot of the people that I watch now. And I think that's really the big value of it. It's, and that's the big value of it. It's having this community hub where people can, one, have the opportunity to be exposed to a new audience, but people can have a reliable source to know, oh, anytime David recommends videos, I know it's usually going to be something that I'm interested in or something that's going to either, you know, relate to me somehow or add value in a way. So um, long story short, yeah, he's a he's a he's a trustworthy, reliable source. And having that compared to a Reddit feed or something like that to someone like me is really important. So shout out, Dave. I do hope that you continue making these videos, especially Um, now that I think he has an editor. And so if he can have someone edit it. That can cut down on the production time so much that it makes it a lot more of a reasonable request. Efficiency, baby. Yeah. Exactly. Shout out, shout out to David Picciuto and make something. I love it. There we go. What about you guys? Uh, ben, your turn. I am obsessed with plastic right now. I feel like plastic's Ooh. having a bit of a moment, both as a negative in people wanting to get rid of straws and bringing up a lot of bans for single-use plastics, which at first I was kind of like, Eh, leave people alone. But then I was thinking about it more and more. Like single-use plastic is kind of ridiculous. Uh, I definitely do use a lot of single-use plastic items. So I'm interested in plastics both because I, I want to do more kind of translucent projects. So I've been mm-hmm. looking at a lot of polycarbonate, the double and triple wall polycarbonate. I've been looking at some solid acrylic and getting back into CNCing or possibly laser cutting some acrylic. And then also working with recycled plastics. I think I'm going to be start seeing if I can do some, some projects where I melt down a lot of uh, water bottles, stuff like that, make some stock, and then use that to, to make things out of it. So very interested in plastics as a sort of raw material right now. So basically what you're saying is finding whether it's like something like HTPE, but getting all similar types of plastic that you can melt to basically make some sort of sort of like sheet, like plywood basically, or like OSB, but plastic version? Yes, something like that. Yeah. And I might even be making some sort of hydraulic press that can heat up to to kind of produce some like a I was thinking less like completely melted liquid so it's completely solid, but much more of like an OSB version of it. You know, this this could be a question for another episode. It might be too big to get into deep in the podcast, but it's got me wondering, I'd be interested to hear, Ben, what you think like the biggest advantage your education gave you for doing stuff in this space. Because it seems like you're, like if I had to guess, it seems like awareness and I don't know, uh, 
likelihood to like put new materials into things to to like just knowing about new materials and then working them into your workflow or, or building things using them seems like one of the big things like you seem a lot more aware of that kind of stuff than especially somebody like me that I'm like oh here's a different type of wood I think it came more from architecture where you're specifying different materials and you're always seeing like I want something to look like this and because you're so far away from actually building with your hands you're drawing it or 3d modeling it you then have to specify so you get really good at the the extreme ends of the spectrum at drawing and visualizing it but not knowing how to actually fabricate it or make it but you Mm -hmm. have to provide ingredient lists to the people that are doing that and so you have a lot of conversations with the sort of technical fabricators and that's where you learn like these these different grades of aluminum and types of steel and what different sort of raw materials what formats they come in Um, Gotcha. So I don't think it's from the educational part because in school, they don't teach you anything kind of practical about that. It's really about- This is plastic. Right. It's much more about how to judge your own design process. Yeah. So it's it's more on the esoteric side than the the hands-on and technical side, Uh, at least at the better architecture schools, it's, it's that way. But no, I think it's from a little bit of that background, but then also just being curious. Like, yeah. And I think it's it's interesting when you look at like materials that were in favor at different times. There's this stuff from the 1970s called call wall. And you definitely have all seen it. It's like this like light greenish fiberglass, but it's a little bit translucent. It's mm-hmm. And it's pretty gross looking. <laughs> it can be used. It, it, it looks kind of like, yeah, it's like furry kind of. Like it's fiberglass, but you can actually see the fibers and it's just it kind of familiar, like actually. puke green. And then it had like more <laughs> translucent fibers in between it. So it it was touted as, oh, it lets light through and it has a good R value. It works well as a, as a type of insulation. So they oh, used okay. it in all these kind of like oh, industrial yeah, yeah, yeah. buildings and it just got really yellowy with time. And then I know what brittle. you're talking about. Yeah. And to me, that's, you know, along the lines with using the glass block, there's these things that they inherently the material qualities of them are kind of interesting. I mean, I think anything kind of translucent could be used in a in a clever way. But the most basic applications that that are sort of common are are so gross that we kind of get turned off to sort of thinking of of good ideas with them. It's like mm-hmm. I recently went to like a, a restaurant in San Francisco, and it was kind of just like crazy sushi restaurant. And one of the things they served was like a sushi that had a piece of spam on it, like. It was very like Hawaiian style, like fried up with some pineapple. It was amazing. Yeah. Spam is great. I yeah. love spam. So they, they kind of elevated that, right? Yeah. Shout out to breakfast foods. Yeah. All right. So Back here's an idea. Food. I got one for you. Okay. I was flipping through a Uline catalog. I really enjoy flipping through paper catalogs because you're never going to dive that deep or you're never going to browse that aggressively on yeah, a website. Really like, I'm going to click on everything. <laughs> yeah, you never are going to do that. But with a catalog, you can go deep into the recesses of like a, a pro- of an inventory list. and of packing peanuts. Exactly. All this, all this melting down plastic talk is what reminded me of it is they make... Okay, I'm going to explain this as best I can, but they're separators for things on a pallet but they're okay. plastic sheets. Yeah, so like, I, I know what you're talking about. Okay, they're like plastic sheets that you would use. Like, let's just say you got a pallet full of paint, uh, like paint cans. Like mm-hmm. you would lay, do a layer of paint cans, put one of these plastic separators down, and then another layer, Yeah. then a sheet. Anyways, so you can get these things that are the size of a pallet, which is about four foot by four foot, close to it. My thought is let's get those, stack them up like plywood, and then heat them from the underside somehow. And you could literally make plastic plywood and you can get them in different colors. You make your own skateboard plywood. How absurd would that be? That would be the most insane thing in the world. And people would hate it so much. <laughs> Sounds like not you got only, your marching orders. Not only are you making plywood, but you're making like plastic plywood. You're like going so <laughs> many layers deep into like engineering something that you could just do out of a natural product. But... Anyways. Yeah, I was thinking more, how do I build a greenhouse out of old water bottles? Yeah, we're coming at it from a little bit of a different angle of like, how do, how, how do I make less trash plastic in the world, not more? But yeah, the, trying to ruin the environment. On the self-serving side, I think there's interest in ways to recycle pl- uh, plastic right now and ways to eliminate plastic. I think there's a, you know, we've everyone's 
I think everybody's heard about the giant plastic patch in the ocean and yeah. all the terrible Texas. things. I don't know. Like, I think that's that's something that's really reached the public consciousness. You know what I've heard? It's not really that big or a problem. I've, I've, heard, that, <laughs> I've heard that it's flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's viewer interest in sort of approaching it uh, from the 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 broadest area of interest, the the, the material itself, and then mm-hmm. what can you actually do about it? What can you do on a day to day for for a normal person? What can you do as someone that that makes a lot of stuff? What does it sort of mean as a designer to not always think of plastic as like the low end material? By sort of shifting a few of these basic, you know, I have a I have a strong bias. I I always think of materials like steel, concrete, stone, wood as the nice materials and plastic as the cheap knockoff materials. Mm -hmm. So if you suspend that prejudice for a second, uh, it can help sort of identify, well, maybe it'll help identify some, some opportunities that I've been overlooking. And I love that because it's an idea that literally everyone could get behind. You got to be a real monster to be like, no, we need to keep the trash Island as big as it is. (laughs) Like the idea of reducing that in concept well, it's something everybody can get behind, I think. Maybe if you live on Trash Island, you would think that way. Maybe. More real just, estate. Yeah, but then it's eaten away at your property value. You That's used true. to have coastline property. Now it just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> keep getting inland. <laughs> yeah, you get further you and further inland. some mountains instead out of this, well, this next trash heap. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to help Trash Mountain, but I know how you can help the Modern Maker podcast. And that is by leaving a five-star review on the iTunes app if that is how you listen to our show. It's pretty easy. You just got to search us, find us, and review us. We love five stars. We love constructive criticism in the description. Whether you've got questions that you'd like to answer or if you got some good advice on how we can make the show better, leave it there. We appreciate it. Uh, It just lets the app know that we're a good show and that it should suggest us to people that listen to similar content. Uh, If you don't already, you can follow us on Instagram at Modern Builds, at Four Eyes Furniture, at Benjamin Ueda, and at Modern Maker Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, bye, everybody. See ya. Bye.